What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Rotten Potato Podcast, a podcast where four friends sit down and review movies that you absolutely should have seen. And my name is Zach, and I am back. Zach is back. It's it's good to have you, man. It's good to be back. I'm Tyler. I'm Scott, and I feel like I should say something because both of them did. I'm Jake. What? I'm oh. not saying anything. What do, you, what do you mean we said something? Th- just that's like what we do extra. on this podcast. We but say like, things. Well, normally it's just, I'm Zach, I'm Tyler, I'm Scott, okay. I'm Jake, and then we jump into it, but you kind of jumped into it, and then Tyler also like had more than his name, yeah. and so I was like, oh, I think I'm going to jump in with more I wasn't than my gonna, name, too. I wasn't going to leave him hanging like I wasn't excited that he was back. You know? Yeah, like It's like, sure. I'm Zach, and I'm back, and I'm Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting great feedback on the episodes that Zach wasn't there, so... Oh yeah, oh, really? Like no, mostly from <laughs> Zach is that? Yeah, Zach yeah. was like, "I'm so glad I wasn't there." <laughs> <laughs> I uh, was a little bummed to miss Fast Five. I was bummed that you did too, just so I could have been on your side. Yeah, you left me with a bunch of philistines. I uh, was I, still in processing um, Tyler saying that the emotional payoff of Fast Five was magnificent. I don't or think I said the word the, magnificent. Something along those lines. It, it, it's not. It's not like stretching, though, I don't think. I don't remember what you said. Yeah, and I stand similar. by it, it but similar. I didn't say magnificent. <laughs> I think you said, like, I don't massive. Remember. <laughs> yeah, I think I did say massive, yeah. and and I think it was a massive emotional payoff. I don't think that it was, like, I, I wouldn't say magnificent. I think that makes it seem like it's, like, uh, like some... It was, like, a beautiful thing. Yeah, like <laughs> like it was the... the the emotional payoff of uh, of life is beautiful or something like that. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. But I do think it was a massive emotional payoff compared to everything else that we've seen so far in that franchise. I'd like to think you, Matthew McConaughey, Interstellar cried at the end. You can think that. <laughs> I would like to think that it was like when you and I saw The Return of the King earlier this year and then you cried for four hours straight. <laughs> That wasn't even, I got to be honest with you, Jake, you didn't even see me at peak crying in a movie. Yeah. No, I just like, honestly, I was like, I can't believe he's not super dehydrated. Like, I can't believe he's still crying. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know this is hyperbole. I definitely cry a lot in movies, though. Uh, what is peak crying for you? Like, what what movie would you say in the last five years was oh. like peak crying for you? I'm not sure. I, I really don't know what my like peak cry was. I think I have movies that I go to when I want a good cry. Okay. Is there like a top couple on your list that you're like, this is my go-to. Like I just need to release this emotion. Yeah. I have a couple. One uh, is a, a French Canadian film named mommy. Highly recommend. Uh, definitely. There's one scene in particular that I think is literally the perfect scene. Like I think it, I think it's the perfect scene um, in any an movie I've ever seen. It gets an eleven out of ten. Um, that movie's super emotional. Uh, I mean, we've done perks on this. I, I, I think I know perks well enough that I don't cry as as much as I did the first time. But it's always going to get uh, a cry out of me for mm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm a little on the spot right now. And to be honest with you, I've been in a season of where I probably need that. Like I probably need a good cry Mm -hmm. and I think I've been avoiding it. And so I can't even think of what movie I would go to, to cry, cry with right now. Yeah. It looks like Jake just cracks open a beer whenever he wants to cry. Pretty much. (laughs) 
I'm going to be crying through this whole episode. <laughs> that joke made Most, no sense. Do, yeah. do you, does beer make you cry? <laughs> a beer makes me cry because I hate it. Just an excuse to play that sound clip. Yeah. Mostly, also, yeah. I'm sorry to do this, but we jumped so fast in this episode and my ears hurt from how loud everyone's audio is. He's in one for this one. Can you turn? We we switched headphones. That's great. That's great. Sorry, getting, uh, I had one more thought about Fast Five that I was kicking myself for not saying. Uh, I And this is a problem I have when wrestlers are in movies in general. Why aren't we seeing more of their signature moves? Would it have been so hard for The Rock to put a rock bottom in Fast Five? No. I, I didn't know they had signature moves. How did you not know that? Because I didn't watch wrestling. Because we didn't watch wrestling like just, you did. Because it was the stupidest you were, thing You were alone TV. in this room on that one. But yeah, like I feel like if you don't watch wrestling, you know that they have like stupidly named moves that they I don't. do. Nah. Wow. Did I couldn't name that. one move. Wow. I know that they have weird... Uh, Acting sequences before they do any wrestling. Wait, uh, yeah. Haymaker is a Haymaker a signature move? I don't know that that's anybody's signature. It's just like a it's just of, a normal like a move. Big punch, right? The the closest I've ever gotten to wrestling was Spider Man One. Yeah, you're going nowhere. That was Macho Man Bone Randy Savage, saws. one of the all. No, it wasn't. Rates. It was Bone Saw. Okay, you take back. <laughs> I that thought you were sacrilege. about to tell me that that wasn't Macho Man, <laughs> and I, you were gonna blow my mind. No, I was like, there's no way. Three minutes. <laughs> Did Macho Man perform his signature move in Spider Man One on Spider Man? Uh, Macho Man wrestled in like the seventies. So I didn't really oh. watch, or the 80s, so like he, the golden he was era. way past his prime at that point. He also yeah, got he was like so, so close to dying of a heart attack. He looked a little overweight in that movie. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, he got beaten up by a 30-year-old pretending to be a teenager, <laughs> but <laughs> with spider powers. <laughs> but yeah, uh, people's elbow, like he was wearing uh, elbow guards at one point. It wouldn't have been that hard to rip it off and drop a little people's elbow is all I'm well, saying. And his acting was so good because he'd been acting and wrestling for so long. Yeah. Are we still talking about Macho Man? Uh, I think we're talking about The Rock. Okay. Yeah. No, I was, I was talking, about talking about Macho Man, Man? Spider-Man 1. Yeah. yeah. You know what? A <laughs> uh, little recommendation for you guys. Uh, before he died, Macho Man did release a rap album, and I think that you guys should all listen to it. Okay. Yeah. I'm down. Is it better than uh, Jeremy Renner's personal music? That's tough. I would say it's definitely uh, better than Michael Sarah's music. Is it better than Joe Pesci's album? You know what? I haven't listened to Joe Pesci's album. Really? No. I, I thought you were going to. I yeah. was going to, and I completely forgot to. Until Tyler said that right now, I forgot he had an album. I think you should do a special release of your review of Joe Pesci's album on our Patreon. I'll do it. Speaking of which, uh, we haven't let any of our listeners know yet, but uh, we recently decided to get a Patreon. Uh, we had people reaching out um, asking how they could be a part of the pod, and we decided... Let's uh, let's start there. So yeah, you could go there. Uh, a couple different options for you. You might get some shout outs. There's some merch out there. Uh, different opportunities to just be a part of what we're doing. And uh, if you were already subscribed to Patreon, you would be watching all of this on video. What up, Patreon? Hi, Patreon. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jake, for being the only one who joined in for our Patreon fans. Hi, Patreon. I was a little bit uh, thrown off because that screen turned black. Uh, at some point and it, it had me on it before it's it the battery is dying okay. uh so also patreon sorry <laughs> this might cut off <laughs> this early might get this cut episode off. you're not getting your money yeah, you can worth. subscribe to get half an episode <laughs> of video we're no working refunds. on it okay we're working on it uh we've already got a few uh little pieces of content on there uh but we'll be working to to fill that out more and more as time goes on scott where can people go to find that uh, yeah, they can go to patreon.com forward slash rotten potato pod. 
Rotten Potatoes was taken. Rotten Potatoes was taken by someone who is not even an active account. Oh, that's, that's fun. They're neat. not a creator. It's like uh, just a subscriber. What? And how they're dare not, they? And they're not subscribed to anything. How dare they? First of all, how dare you? Yeah. Can we sue them? I yeah. think we can. I, you could. We could. I don't think we have any legal basis, but we will ask uh, the right. office of the general counsel, Remy, uh, our uh, our esteemed RP lawyer. I think that yeah. this is above also, a rat who likes to cook. Oh, uh, sorry, different Remy. Oh, yeah, different oh, okay. Remy. Different also, Remy. Su- support us because um, we have to pay Remy for all of his legal fees, <laughs> and it's really expensive just coming out of our pocket. So, if you guys could help the Patreon a little bit, that would be great. Oh, man. And also, Jake, you know, if a rat can cook, a rat can do anything, okay? Uh, but he can't He can't communicate to humans. He did to uh, Linguini yeah, pretty dude. well. No, he didn't pull he just on pull his on his hair? Mm-hmm. But that's a type of communication. Is he doing, like, Morse code? Yeah, he, and he also did, like, nods and head shakes. Like, he understood Remy. He just couldn't, or I'm sorry, Linguini. He just couldn't speak. Yeah. Yeah. They don't talk at all in that movie? I no. don't think they do. I think he just pulls on his hair. Wait. Well, they... No, Linguini talks to Remy a yeah. lot. And Remy and understands, Remy understands like and responds. Yeah. Remy like can't yes or no. teaches him how to cook through hair pulling. Yes. He doesn't teach him how to cook. He just like mind controls him. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I th- More nervous system control than mind control. Like he's, yeah. he's fully aware of everything. Like he's happening. hitting a certain nerve every <laughs> exactly. time he pulls the yeah, hair. That's, like yeah. making that's the premise. Stuff. Yeah. That's so Linguini the premise. just kind of goes limp. Yeah. And then just. Exactly. Like a little Linguini. Like a little, like a limp Linguini. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, Zach, what movie are we talking about today? We are talking about Groundhog Day. Bill Murray cannot catch a break on this podcast. We do a Bill Murray movie and we talk about anything but that movie. It's because he's just a creep. Yeah, that's a bummer. A bit, yeah. He's a little bit of a weirdo. Here's the thing. I don't necessarily see this as a Bill Murray movie. I see this as a Harold Ramis movie, uh, which I guess we'll get into. But Zach, why did you nominate this film? Um, It's very famous and I had never seen it, (laughs) essentially. Uh, but no, I, it, this is, I feel like one of those movies where people will say like, how have you never seen this movie? That's oh, happened for sure. to me many times. Um, so yeah, I picked it. I feel like it rarely happens to me in August. More, it happens more so, more more so in February. February. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I could have done this in February, but I just wasn't. That's all right. Thinking about that. That's fine. Yeah. I don't think it matters, to be honest with you, for the yeah, story. I don't think there's a lot of... I, I was thinking we could capitalize on Groundhog's Day searches, but who's searching for ground... Maybe people just because it is Groundhog's Day. I don't know. Well, it'll be the there thing. next year. If they exactly. search it next year, it'll yeah. still pop up. It'll still <laughs> pop up, baby. Uh, Scott, why don't you hit us with a little bit of just the facts on this movie? Yeah, so this was directed by Harold Ramis. Uh, it was written by Danny Rubin and Harold Ramis. Released February 12th, 1993. Has a runtime of 101, minute, 101 minutes. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 97%. IMDb gave it an 8.1. Had a box office of $105 million on a $30 million budget, so a 3.5x on that one, and then wasn't nominated for any awards. Did Harold Ramis, that's Spangler, right? Spang- in Ghostbusters? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, he's mostly known as a director, but uh, was an actor in Ghostbusters and acted in several other movies over the years. Uh Uh, Oftentimes appears in his own films. Was he in this one? He wasn't. No, he wasn't. No, he was in this one. He was the he was the uh, doctor that uh, Bill Murray goes to see. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I didn't it, catch that. In Ghostbusters, he was very thin. Um, that was unusual for Harold Ramis's life. He he usually was much heavier than he was in Ghostbusters, and he was much heavier in this film. Interesting. But yeah, he was the, the I guess like the the neurologist that Bill Murray goes to see. Um but uh, Harold Ramis, famous for, uh, among other things, Caddyshack, National Lampoon, uh, just a, a very uh, like uh, well-respected uh, comedian and, and director over the years. I don't think I realized, I just, I don't know, I've watched Christmas Vacation a thousand times, and I don't know that I have ever paid attention to the director's name on the credits. I don't think Harold did, I don't think he directed Christmas Vacation, I could be wrong, I know he directed the first Vacation. I think he wrote and directed it. He also uh, directed, uh, I believe, oh no, he didn't direct, oh man, there was another movie already that, either this year or late last year that, that we did of, of Harold's that he wrote or directed. And I can't remember exactly what it was. I think he had a writing credit maybe on my cousin Vinny. Oh, really? I think maybe some, if it wasn't that it was right around that time. But, uh, yeah. So who, uh, I, I had seen this movie before who all was uh, a late bloomer to this with Zach. I think it was just Zach. Yeah. I think it was just me. Interesting. So, uh, Which Jake, is that the first time that a nominator has been the only late bloomer? No, that's no? happened before. Yeah, it's yeah. probably me. I've yeah. done it. I've, I've been oh, the late bloomer you? so many times. I feel like it's probably happened. I think I also did it with Ex Machina. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's happened a few times. Well, Jake, why don't you? Uh, what do you think the first time you saw this movie, and if you can remember? And, oh, I and can't. What did you think rewatching it again? I can't remember it the first time I saw this movie at all. Like it was something that like was on TV when I was a kid and I would watch, you know, you know, they cut out the part, the parts that kids can't watch on TV. So it's fine. Um, and then I always remembered liking the movie and then I hadn't watched it in years, I think. And I wasn't sure what to expect because I was so disappointed watching Ghostbusters again. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but I liked this movie still. And surprisingly, I watched it with my girlfriend and she actually liked it. I was expecting her to hate it, uh, but she, she thought it was funny too. It's funny you talk about the things that had to get lifted out for kids. This was Harold Ramis's first and only PG-rated film. Really? I that's I feel like there's a lot of sexual stuff in this movie. I guess it was just the 80s. Yeah, it was the 80s. I mean, remember Airplane had a full like a yep. bare-chested woman. That was a PG movie? Uh, I think that was yeah, it was a PG yeah, movie PG. for sure. <sighs> Crazy um, time. <laughs> this was actually 1993. Okay, not the 80s, but uh, this. I mean, they. You know, they gave. There was maybe more leeway than you know in later years. Yeah. Uh, but Harold Ramis, for the most part, was a very edgy comedy guy. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, he wanted at least one entry in his filmography to be very f- accessible to the entire family, and decided to do that with Groundhog's Day. Scott, what do you think? Uh, like, what's your recollection of this movie? You know, is this was this a was this a uh, underwear movie growing up? Um, I don't remember it being on TV all that much, but I had seen it a few times before this. Um, I remember liking it um, and thinking it was like a fun time. I think my experience this time was not as good. Um, I felt like the movie very much just failed to charm me on the main character. And so like, I 
just didn't really like him at all through the the whole thing and it made me not want him to succeed in any of this stuff so it was kind of a bummer that he like got out of it and like got with the girl i was like hey, he's kind of a creep uh the is, whole movie i but mean he's he, a bad like he he starts as a bad guy but are you maybe like uh committing the the uh common uh i won't call it a sin but like the common uh like issue that like jake brings up sometimes where it's hard to like read out an actor and you know some things now about bill murray as an adult that it's no it has nothing to do with his personal life i honestly couldn't recall anything from real life bill murray to be honest with you like i just don't pay enough attention to hollywood people or any of that I, kind of stuff i'm just bringing up because you broke that like minutes ago like 10 minutes ago you're like oh yeah bill murray's a huge creep and it was i was like, saying specifically okay, geez, his characters right. not like, him <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, I wasn't talking about but his he is a, life. Bill Murray yeah. in real life is a huge creep. Yeah, sorry. When I said that, I was talking specifically about like his characters across most of his movies are creeps. Oh, okay. Not like Bill Murray himself. Gotcha. Which he but may or, it sounds he, like I mean, maybe he is. He I allegedly did some terrible things. Yeah, I... Yeah. And, and, and Scott, you're first hearing about this right now. No, I now I, that you guys said that, I remember Jake talking about this before. Okay. Uh, but that didn't affect it that at all so you uh were not bought into the character at I, all i feel like you're discounting how long he was in here and how much time he had to change uh let let's uh put a pin in that yeah. uh because i feel like that's gonna be like a, a solid chunk of our conversation <laughs> i have a feeling um yeah, so I had seen this movie before, I think, you know, uh, more times than I, I've even registered. I mean, this is a movie that's like, you know, on regularly in bars on loop. Uh, you know, it's a movie that, you know, I've actually just sat down and watched plenty. And it's a movie that'll be on, you know, in the background if I'm doing something else, you know, growing up. Um, I will say rewatching it again this time, I think I have way more respect for its quality as a movie uh, but I don't think that I enjoyed it as much as I remember, but I also never felt like this was a movie that I was like, oh my gosh, like this is just such a fun time for me. Um, like I don't have any nostalgia attached to Groundhog Day, um, but I, you know, watching it with through a little bit more of a critical lens, I, I was really surprised by how, how excellent of a story it is. Zach, our late bloomer. What did you think watching it for the first time? You went in with high expectations a little bit. Lots of people um, telling you it's awesome and, you know. Yeah, I guess so. But you know what? That's That has not helped me at all this year. Um, I've, I've nominated a few movies that I had never seen and heard good things about. And uh, I, I've kind of failed. Or at least the movies have failed me. Close Encounters is one. Mm. Um, I think I have, I've had a couple other ones. It just my... Uh, my gamble picks have um, not panned out well for me thus far in the year. So, and you know what? To be honest, like outside of a Wes Anderson movie, I'm not a huge Bill Murray fan. But it was kind of like, you know what? This is a movie that everyone talks about. It was Predator was your other one. Exactly. Yeah, Predator. Um, it was like, this is, I, I don't have any better excuse to watch Groundhog Day than to do it for this podcast because it's incredibly famous. Um, the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the podcast is incredibly <laughs> the podcast famous. is we now incredibly famous. A Patreon, yeah, we have to be. We famous. have a Patreon, and we may or may not have 
a subscriber or two at this point. I think so. we still have zero. Yeah, but when this I, comes I did out. say we may or may not. To be fair, we haven't told the tots yet. That's this true. is the I, first episode that we we're talking about. I told a couple tots because I didn't know it was a secret. It's uh, not. Yeah, well, you <laughs> shame on you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> anyway, Zach, it's such um, a such a famous movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a famous movie. So. Uh, Watching it, I had an interesting experience where I, I would say like for the first act, I kind of thought to myself like, you know what? This is fun. This is amusing. I don't know if I love this, but it's fine. I'm enjoying myself. And then like into the second act, um, I remember feeling really conflicted. Like I straight up don't know if I like this movie. I don't really like the direction it seems to be going in. And then by the third act, I really liked the direction that it ended up going in, which was a different direction. I thought it was, um, and ended up being actually the reverse of you, Scott, like very charmed by the movie. Um, and ended up like really liking it. I, I had a really good time with it. I don't know if it's a movie I'll go out of my way to watch many more times in my life, but it's a movie that I think I'd always be excited about. Like if the opportunity comes up to watch it again, I think, um, I think that I would enjoy this movie on repeat viewings in the future. Um, and I feel like Jake, you were saying there's like a lot of sexual stuff in this movie. I don't really remember. I like, it, I feel like it's relatively wholesome. Maybe not a lot, but I just remember there being some, some uh, there was just a part that felt very rapey to me. Yeah. And that was kind of where I was like, I don't know if I like where this is going. Yeah. That, um, that was, that was the part I remember being like, uh, this isn't aging very well at all. Well, I actually, I, I mean, I think it, I actually don't know if I dis or agree with that or not because I feel like it feels in line with the character at that point in his journey. And I really like that he fails and he doesn't succeed. I was really worried that like he would end up tricking her, like deceiving her and, and ending up sleeping with her. Um, and I, I think I would have hated that obviously. And I'm really glad that that didn't pan out and that he kind of like, hits a low like that's like a low point for him and that kind of like uh propels him towards um a journey of like being a force for good in this weird loophole world that he has found himself in um and so i actually kind of like like in retrospect i actually don't mind that part of the story because it feels in line with with the character um and i like the way that it panned out yeah, I think I think after I said there was a lot of sexual stuff, I regretted it. I just remember there being a few scenes that I was like, eh, I don't know that I would show this to a kid, you know? Yeah, as a PG rating. But yeah, uh, yeah, uh, maybe that's fair. I mean, I don't uh, have kids, so it I depends, don't know what it's like. It depends on how old the kid is. Like, I mean, I would definitely show this to any kid. Like, like if it was my kid, like over the age of eight, seven or eight, I would show this to. I guess I don't know what PG means as far as age range. Parental guidance. Yeah, but like, but like, I know that, but like, what? Okay. What's well, the remember yeah. the thing above that is thirteen. So it's just anything under because there's, I guess G is general know. audience. It's yeah, literally but, everybody. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Literally everyone. So you can show airplane to your kids as young as they as you want them to be. Is the takeaway? I, I want them to be very young. I'd like to think the G stands for guidance. But it it's, is. But it's guidance. Like, you could have a two-year-old guide you through the movie. Interesting. What? You, Parental I, guidance means that no, a, no, no, that's a two-year-old. I'm saying just G. We oh, need just G is guidance. Of, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. It's not general. It's yeah. just guidance. It's just guidance. Like, you have to have some kind of guidance, but it doesn't <laughs> matter who. That's it, a weird take, but it okay. It could be from a two-year-old is what you're saying. It could be. 
It could speaking. be a one-year-old. Yes. <laughs> okay. What what would that mean? Could be your your infant children, Zach. <laughs> to be guided by so, a two-year-old. Uh, <laughs> so this movie, uh, so it's kind of funny. Scott Rubin, uh, you know, he wrote this movie as a spec script. And Harold Ramis ended up picking it up, doing a lot of editing, um, obviously, like, helped to get it funded, and then, you know, got attached as the director. Um, but Scott Rubin... Pretty much, he was a one-hit wonder with this movie, with this screenplay. And it's kind of funny, like, he... Do you mean Danny Rubin? Yes, sorry. Who, what did I say? Scott. Danny Rubin. Uh, Danny Rubin was a little bit... I think Scott Rudin is a famous producer. Okay. And that was what I crossed wires on. Danny Rubin, uh, n- like, he was kind of a one-hit wonder. He really, like, he's written... He's written maybe one or two other things that ever even got made and they weren't major, major motion pictures. Uh, and he, uh, had, had said years ago that he's, you know, forever grateful to Harold Ramis and, and realizes that getting a script made was like winning the jackpot lottery. Uh, but it was very different from what he had originally written, uh, because what he wrote was a lot darker in nature. Uh, and I'm curious, like he said, you know, I didn't write a comedy and I didn't write anything romantic. Huh? I think I would have liked that more. So he just, he just had wrote a story about him being stuck in hell for eternity. Yeah. It basically, he was, he was, uh, really, uh, inspired by the idea of what if he had read the novel interview with a vampire. Okay. And he thought about what would it be like to live forever? And like, would you as a human being grow or change if you lived forever? And like to like to give you like a like a, a peek behind the curtain at what I mean by like dark uh, in the original screenplay. When Phil wakes up. Annie, Andy, whatever her name was, Andy, I think Rita, I Rita, think the Rita, actress. that's the, the yeah, you're right. Rita, uh, when Phil wakes up and realizes it's February 3rd, he, in that same moment, the final scene of the movie is realizing that, and, uh, that Rita has started her own infinite loop on February 3rd. And that's how the movie ends. So he, oh, so he gets out in the original. He movie gets still. out. Uh, it, like according to him and, and even Harold Ramis, like when they first read the script, they said it was like at first when they were talking about it, they had thought that he had lived maybe something like a thousand or 10,000 years in February 2nd. That was the thing that I read. And I was like, that's the most insane thing. Harold Ramis later said that like in, in the final version of the movie, he's like, mm, it was probably a hundred years mm. uh, that he lived this one day. But in the original script, uh, he had lived maybe a thousand, maybe ten thousand years in this single day. Wakes up to find he's finally broken free of the loop, only to find that the person that he's been trying to win this entire time has now started her infinite loop. And like that's a super dark, like mind bendy movie. I feel like that makes me think too much about the mechanics of how this works, and I don't. I don't really want want to know more about yeah. it. I think we're going to talk a lot more about it cuz yeah. I think the, uh I think one of the brilliance of of this story is all the mechanics of it. I I think that's a huge part of Groundhog Day and why it's been such a like a retold story for you know in yeah, tons of different mediums. It spawned a bunch of different kind of like not knockoffs but like inspirations. 
but um sometimes knockoffs yeah i guess in a way yeah um but it's interesting like to your point jake I had heard Harold say in an interview that like he felt like one of the strengths of the movie was that they didn't go out of their way to over explain how everything works and, and that, they don't have to explain what caused it or why or you know that was I think part of the thing that worked for me yeah and I I feel like maybe even more so now where I feel like every like a lot of things we get are just so over explained and it often just takes. Yeah. It takes away from it. Like, like I'm like that either that's a dumb explanation or I just preferred having a little bit of mystery around it. And I, I liked that this just happened. And then he had to figure out how to get out of it. We weren't really, we, we weren't really beat over the head with this is what he has to do to get out of it. Just all of a sudden he's out of it mm-hmm. and it's over and he's changed and he, he's gone on this journey. And I, I, that I think is part of what worked for me for in the movie. Yeah, and I I think that it's probably a strength of the script and probably the directing that I never even asked myself like how did th- like how did this happen or why is this happening to him I I never and like it also might be the fact that this is an incredibly well known movie so I I went into it knowing exactly what I was getting essentially in terms of like the general premise of the movie um, but I I never once questioned like the mechanics of this or like like uh, the why of it all. That was, I said I watched this with my girlfriend and that was her big complaint at the end of the movie. She's like, what, why did that happen? Oh, really? And I was like, honestly, I'm, I'm so glad that they didn't go into why it, yeah. <laughs> why it happened. And also as a comedy, it, it would make no sense, I think, to go into why it happened. I mean, you know, this had a runtime of 101 minutes. This is a, this is a very short film. Yeah. She, she was approaching the movie, I feel like, like such an engineer. She's like, try this and then you should try this. And then he should try that. <laughs> and then he should try this. And then, and like, it, she had a million suggestions. And honestly, most of them were exactly what he was about to do. I don't know how. <laughs> like when, like when he was gonna punch that guy in the face, uh, the guy from Silicon Valley. Yeah. And then, like, like two, like a minute before that, she's like, she, he should punch him in the face. And I was like, how did you know that was about to? It's exactly what he was about to do. Uh, but anyway, that was pretty funny. Maybe that she's is watched funny. it before. Maybe that'd be hilarious if she watched it, lied to me, and said she'd never seen it. Maybe she's watched it a thousand <laughs> yeah, times, exactly. and now she's God. Do you think that she was a she was Groundhog Day in that day? Yeah. So that until when she, she said all the right things, <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah. You know when he's like going through the diner, and he's like, and she's like, "Who's this?" And he's yeah. like, "And this is Sally, and she moved here from Ireland, but lived in Iowa most of her life." And yeah. That was that was your girlfriend's experience. I should ask her if that happened. That'd be a bummer if you got stuck in Groundhog Day and in your Groundhog Day, you just had to keep watching Groundhog Day. It'd be a huge bummer. Okay, I got to say, I thought about this watching this movie this time, you know, because one of the things there, they're like, you know, uh, there's obviously the recurring uh, I got you, babe. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I loved the the fact that he's like watching this single episode of Jeopardy so many times that he's just like, knows every answer, (laughs) knows every answer, Pat, uh, like it would suck to be stuck in groundhog day in 1993 versus 2023, especially in that town he was in too. Oh yeah. In a blizzard. Yeah. Like, like there's no internet. There's no like streaming Netflix. Like at least like if you're like, okay, well if I'm stuck in every day forever, but I remember all of this, at least I can finish Netflix. That's true. You know, like (laughs) watch everything available. I watched Netflix. What? No, Netflix. I I, finished it. I finished it. Yeah. Yeah, Like they say that more 
content gets uploaded to YouTube every second. There's like six seconds per every second uploaded to YouTube or something, but you could finish it. Yeah, but but Phil only had the shows that played on television in that area on that day. You know what would be a bummer, though, is if you're just like, I can watch, I have all this prestige television at my fingertips, but like there's only three seasons of Succession out. And I'll <laughs> never finish Succession. <laughs> I wouldn't that start anything would. that was still airing. Oh yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good ground rule to. I don't. Yeah. I feel like set for yourself. A Groundhog Day rule. After ten thousand, think about this though. After ten thousand years, you're there. You've watched everything. That's and the true. only things you have left are stuff that are still airing. So you're just gonna have to watch them and be unsatisfied. You don't have to. You could just do something else with your time. But at a certain point, there's nothing else to do. I mean, he, I mean, he learned to, stuff to play do. piano, be See, a nice sculpture. I had one mechanical question about this movie. Yeah. And that was, how did he keep progressing in his piano lessons? Going up to her and then saying, this is my first lesson, and then getting more and more advanced every time. He just tells her something different every time where he says, like, oh, you know, I'm okay. Like, why don't we just evaluate where I'm at? And then, like you know, pick up from there. And she yeah. even says the line, she's like, are you sure this is your first? That, that was why I had that question. Cause it seemed to me like he was telling her it was the first lesson every time. And I was like, huh? I mean, he probably like at a certain point, he's probably just telling people whatever the hell he wants and well, screwing with them. Cause yeah. it doesn't matter. You right? have to assume so much about it because of how long of a yeah. span it is. Like you never see all the interactions. Honestly, and, and like only like if let's say it's a hundred years, which is what Harold Ramis says. That's what it was in the movie. It was a hundred years. Uh, they only show 38 days, 38 distinct days. And I think that was why, like in my memory, cause I, I hadn't watched the movie in a long time. I guess I just, until this watching, didn't think about how long he was stuck. Like, cause I, you know, you only see so many days, but then you think, oh, he learned French and piano and all these other things. By the way, like amazing that there was enough resources in that tiny town in 1993 for him to learn French. Uh, but maybe he found a French person took yeah. lessons with, or him. maybe yeah, exactly. some of the times instead of going to his like, uh, shindig, he just immediately left for the airport, flew somewhere else, did other things <laughs> and then woke up in the bed back in that town again. The loophole. Yeah. yeah. The, I mean, it's possible. Yeah, it's certainly like, possible. I for sure would have like went to Vegas and like, yeah, like learned stuff there and like started winning a ton of money there. And like, but no, what, good, what good does that do you? It, you have just, infinite it's time, just, Jake. Just, You're just doing a, stuff. It every, doesn't matter. Yeah. What good does it do you? Nothing that he did in this did any good for him other than he learned something or he grew as a human being. It's just a run out the clock situation until the clock starts over. Yeah. Yeah, I guess if for me, though, like those are tomorrow benefits. And the only thing he can really do are like things he can remember or immediately today. Like skills. Like, skills. like when he yeah, robs that bank or when he robs that pay truck, that made sense to me. But to like be like, oh, why? I, how, because, did, how is that different? Because he could spend that money there, then and there. Then and there. I guess he could spend the money in Vegas. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All I right. mean, he also could learn to play just, every game in Vegas. That's just so many. That's so much time to get to Vegas from Pennsylvania. They have infinite he's, time. He's got a hundred He has infinite years. time, but also not because he has infinite time in 24 hours and then it resets. So, like, you're telling me he's going to spend six hours getting to Vegas. It's just, I don't know. I, it doesn't seem practical. Okay, so <laughs> then he has 18 more hours? It's a run-out-the-clock situation. It's just like, what am I going to do to not like be bored out of my mind today. And I've done 
a million other things already. Yeah. I also got the Why impression... Why not get on a plane and fly to Vegas? I also got the impression that that wasn't an option. Just from the movie, I got the impression that he wasn't able to leave the city. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to think that he was able to leave the city, to be honest with you, but there's also, like, it, it's a little bit of a gray area and fun, uh-huh. fun, to, fun to consider that it might be possible. Uh, but regardless, I mean, he makes a lot of his time there. Uh, he meets a lot of people, gets to know a lot of people, dies in a lot of ways, dies in a lot of ways. He's been shocked, electric, or uh, he's been electrocuted, stabbed, jumped off a bridge. He's been shot 29 times. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, that's, you know, who, who knows? Who knows what he got up to? I don't know. Hopefully this isn't too dark a question for our audience. How long before you guys would try to kill yourself? Well, it's interesting that you say that because like, uh, the Danny Rubin in particular wrote this through the framework of the five stages of grief and death. Okay. Um, so, you know, you have denial, denial, bargaining, anger, depression, and acceptance. And that's, that is the framework of the movie. That's how we follow this character. Um, and I think it would take, you know, I mean, I guess it would take me getting through bargaining, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's how long it would take. Uh, but how long would it take you to, because I feel like, honestly, it would be years for me. If I did it, if I did it for a week, I would be like, I'm not getting out of this. I'm going to kill I'm going to try that's to kill myself. My, is it less of like, I want to end my life and more like, maybe this will get me out of the loop. Yeah. Like just as a solution. So I feel like. <laughs> get you out of the loop, but then you're like, dead. Like Inception. I don't know. Like you die in, like you die. Yeah, if you die know. in your dream, you wake up. Like, Who knows? Yeah. Like <laughs> I, at this point, I don't know. So maybe it's a solution. Yeah, what it's else? Just, uh, I don't have any be... other way to get. And it's like, uh, if, if, you know, if I do just die, at least then I'm out I, of the I just loop. Feel you feel like think I would be, be, you would approach that fast? In between. Between a Not week and a month for me. I was I gonna like say maybe like a month or so. I feel like I'd be hard pressed to feel like I ran out of options in a week or a month. It would take years. For it would me. take other years option for me. It would take years of to break the loop. I would try like hundreds before I. Yeah. I would. I would be calling witch doctors in New Orleans before I killed myself. I guess I mean, there's a lot more options in today's day and age. Uh, I mean, even then, witch doctors in New Orleans, like, th- th- it's just a phone call. Like, the phone's worked. Like, he's calling people all the time to try and find answers in the beginning of the movie. Uh, like, it it's not like he was without options. And, and if Harold Ramis is right and all of this takes place over 100 years, presumably he spent, you know, years in that, I mean, probably uh, close to you know, 20, 30 years before he decided to try and kill himself. Yeah. I just don't think I'd wait that long. <laughs> Mine would be definitely be in the years. Yeah. Mine is in the years. It would take years. I, it's hard to put a range on that, but it would be definitely more than 365 days. I will say I'm 33 years old. I have been truly miserable for <laughs> eight years. <laughs> No, for like three of those years, truly miserable for three of those years. So it would for sure take me more than three years. I don't even think like it would be, it would be like, I would just give up like, oh, I'm not finding a way out of this. You know, I I wouldn't even be miserable or despairing. I'd just be like, it's either this or I do this forever, you know? And I just wouldn't want to live the same day forever. I, I just, I just couldn't assume that it was forever 
that quickly. Yeah, what if one of my assumptions is maybe this lasts a year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. good point. I think we should move on. <laughs> uh, Scott, you said you prefer that this would be darker. You think that you'd prefer maybe the original script. I, I would be interested in it. I okay. think it's because, and once again, I'm not saying this is like a bad movie or that it did like, like I think a lot of the things about it are good. I didn't like the main character. And so I struggled to connect with the main character. And that's like one of my ongoing, like uh-huh, yeah, tropes in this whole shindig we call a podcast. Um, and so that, that was more of like, I just didn't like the main character. Is it the, like you would have enjoyed watching him suffer more than like it would have felt like a more deserving plot. I think I would have enjoyed, or I don't even know if enjoyed is the right word. I think it would be a more interesting movie. Okay. So, well, I, the reason that I ask is because like what really kind of like, like what lands the plane in this movie for me is the fact that he has a redemption and becomes like, more or less a superhero in this like weird loop world that he's in. And like, that is really what works for me about the movie. And if we didn't get that, I, that's kind of the direction I thought we were heading in the, in the second act. And I didn't care for that. And so it's interesting that what you didn't like about the movie, him being dark, it almost seems like you'd perform, you'd prefer more of, or am I misunderstanding you? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I would have liked to explore more of this repetitive world. Okay. Like, I feel like it did progress through a lot of that uh-huh. fairly easily and quickly at times. And I think that it's a good way to move the plot forward for sure. Um, but I don't know. I want. I would, like, want to get into the, like, intricacies of some of the things. So did you not... Because you said you couldn't connect to the main character, did you not buy, or you didn't, you didn't like him? He wasn't charming to you. Did you not buy his transformation? Because I think by the end of the movie, he's genuinely changed. Did you just not buy it? Uh, not really. I feel like, I mean, it's possible given that it's a hundred years, but I don't know. I, I the feeling I get from it is now that it's February 3rd, he's going to slowly morph back into who he was before. Really? Oh, I didn't get that's, that at all. Uh, yeah, I, I, think you're, I think you're alone at this table in that. That's fine. I'm just saying that's... I, I think who he is as a person didn't really change. I think he changed in the loop, but he didn't change in real life. Why? What, like, what in the movie makes you feel like that's the case? I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, I just just maybe I, Murray's performance. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Would I'm, you have preferred if this was Tom Hanks or <laughs> Kevin Klein or Michael Keaton, all three who were up for the role? Uh, probably. I think they're all better actors than him. I don't think that unfortunately they were, they were too nice. Mm. I don't know that they were better. Yeah, they would be a harder sell for the beginning of the movie. Like, right. it'd be hard to see Tom Hanks acting that way. Yeah, I feel like I could see maybe Michael Keaton. But I yeah, almost feel like more. it'd be meaner. Yeah, see, I couldn't buy Michael Keaton becoming the nice guy at the end of the movie. I feel like he'd be a jerk. <laughs> well, and it's just him being mean almost feels like uh, colder. I don't know. Like Bill yeah. Murray, I almost feel like Bill Murray was kind of the perfect. I Phil, think his name's Phil, right? Yeah, yeah, it's Phil. Yeah. Um, I think I, I just, he seems fake to me. Like throughout the entirety. Of and the film. I think maybe this is just my like feeling towards Bill Murray as okay. an actor. Yeah. As an actor, like the, it, it, he, there's nothing like that 
comes across to me as like sincere or like he's actually like making change. Like all of it seemed like he's still trying to just do what he thinks he needs to do. I think I did. I think I felt that way for a while. And then towards the end of the movie, I did not feel that way at all. When he was like, I have errands to run. It seemed like this is just the thing he does to improve these people's days like and, and help these people where like he like hustles and hurts himself to catch the kid falling out of the tree and does it presumably ad nauseum like yeah. we don't know how long he repeated that day and nobody even saw it besides the kid and it's not like the kid is that it has that much sway over everybody anybody in the town to like change their opinion of him like i don't know it, it felt very genuine to me i loved the his final broadcast and the cameraman comes up to him and he's like, dude, you moved me, you know, like, yeah. uh, like I loved his, like, I mean, that was a, that was a great piece of writing, you know, like his final, uh-huh. like, you know, and all the other newscasters are just putting their microphones in front of him. They're like, we're not even going to try and like do better than this. Like, this is the best that anyone can do. Like he gave so much all to something that in the beginning he hated so much and he saw it so beneath him, Yeah, but he made it like a masterpiece yeah by the end you know and i think that's like like i to me that shows radical transformation yeah i think for me it didn't feel like transformation i felt like defeat well i I think i think in terms of how the writer wrote it i think defeat and acceptance are uh close bedmates i feel like the defeat defeat was acceptance i think for sure but that doesn't necessarily mean transformation uh, I, I, I I think it means death because that was the point was that like the, the whole point of this was and, and like this ended up I'm sorry to cut you oh, off no. Jake this ended up getting like included in uh, MoMA's exhibit in like 2013 about of movie this was the opening day film in MoMA's exhibit about uh, films about God. Yeah, like Harold Ramis talks about all the like people from multiple different religions reaching out and saying like we felt seen by this movie. And and so like it's it's not really about uh it it is transformation in that like when Danny Rubin like goes to go through this it's it's the five stages of grief and death. Like this this is what you go through when you die. And you end with acceptance. And so his, his like February 2nd to February 3rd day in, in like, according to like, I I mean, a lot of like critics and a lot of like theologians would say that that is a baptismal moment that he had. And, and that was what, you know, sort of like, it doesn't release some magical thing. It's just that he has so irrevocably changed that now the day can continue and, and like theologians, like not just like, not only is this made in, you know, made and remade and remade so many times and alluded to so many times, but it is something that like, that like philosophers and theologians look at as a story and say like, this is the story of human change. Yeah. I disagree. I think (laughs) I, I felt like his, his defeat, like I feel like like they maybe there are two two acceptances here where he he's defeated and he has no more ideas and then at a certain point he's just like well I'm just going to be the best I can be on and you know just keep doing the best I can no matter like I don't know like I I feel like there maybe like was he was defeated and not 
trying to do anything and just trying to kill himself a bunch of times or do whatever he wanted. And then there was no reason for him other than just because he was a changed person and decided he was going to it wasn't, give this is all. It wasn't transactional at all. Yeah. He, he got nothing out of, Cause except it, I guess fulfillment yeah because as far as he knows except for none he of could things, still be just trying new things but as far as he know, like i think he's been defeated and as far as he knows nothing is going to get him out of this and he's just doing this to to help the people that are having this day over and over again with him you know kind of i don't i don't exactly know how that works but just <laughs> help, helping these people whatever he thinks that means yeah yeah, yeah. and it's it's fine if we have different takes um yeah. but you see it differently yeah, no, but I'm I am curious uh, if you guys felt like you would have preferred a darker tone because that was something that even Bill Murray and Harold kind of disagreed on. Mm-hmm. Bill Murray wanted it to be darker a little bit, and Harold wanted what what we got essentially. I like what we got. I don't think I I don't think I like this movie that much if it's darker, and I don't think this movie is as enduring as it is if we get that darker. I yeah. I think similar, but maybe. Slightly different to your point, Jake, to your perspective. I think that if this is darker, it's probably a better film, but we would not be recording this podcast. That's what I was about to say is, yeah, if, if we get the darker version of the movie, we're not, no one's heard of it. Yeah. No one's heard of it. What makes you think that it'd be a better film? Uh, I mean, I think it's closer to what, Danny Rubin wrote and from what it sounds like from how he talked about his experience and how Harold talked about this experience. Um, it was, you know, it like, yeah, it was, it was difficult to sell in a darker tone at that time. I think in 1993, like we weren't dealing we weren't dealing with heavy concepts in heavy tones as much at that time um, as we are now because as like time has gone on, like if this movie were like, if, if Ruben wrote this movie today, Groundhog Day never existed. Everything that it influenced never existed. Danny Rubin writes this movie today. He could probably get it picked up by something like a 24 in his original script and it would get made, but like it probably wouldn't get a ton of marketing, you know? And even if someone like a 24 didn't pick it up, the process is so democratic right now that he could have made it as an indie film, released it at Sundance and South South by Southwest. I would have heard about it. I might've seen it, but no one else in the world like you know, like, like I'm, I'm, when I say me, I'm, I'm saying I'm the like most exterior to the film, sure. you know, the indie film world. So, but sorry, I think what, what about it do you think would have been better though? You said that this would be a better movie. Yeah. I think, I think it would have been closer to the, to the, to the creator's intent. And I think everything closer to the creator's intent is just going to be a more, um, it's always going to be a more wholehearted, uh, creative work. I don't know that I agree. And I, my, my, my biggest counter example that's coming to my mind right now is lethal weapon. Like, (laughs) <laughs> the creator of Lethal Weapon did not, 
I don't think had any good idea about what Lethal Weapon should be. And as soon as we moved away from what the creator of Lethal Weapon wanted for Lethal Weapon, I think that those are much better movies. So like I I don't know that that's always true that just because I like yeah people, I I may I, okay you're right I'm not saying it's always true and I shouldn't have maybe indicated that it's a universality I think generally speaking that is the case I think generally speaking the closer you are to a creator's heart the more you are you're experiencing a wholehearted creation hmm. and to be honest Lethal Weapon is probably a prime example, like to my point that it like one of our big complaints is that, yeah, like it gets more fun, but it gets more commercial and cheap and cheesy. Like we've all talked about that. And like, that's my point is I I think it's a better work of art when it's the artist's original intent. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think that lethal weapon is just as cheap and cheesy. It just wasn't fun the first one and then it got fun and that's what it needed to be. I think, I don't know. Yeah. And I guess I'm a pro I'm answering the question. What, why would I say this is a better film? Because I'm talking about a film as a work of art. And I think that a work of art is always going to be a better work of art when it's closer to the artist's heart and their intent. And I think that sometimes movies in order to become more commercially acceptable, lose the artist's heart. Yeah, I think that there are many artists involved, though. Like, the writer isn't the only artist contributing to a movie. Of course. Yeah. So, like... I agree. You know, this 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 one writer has this idea, and then ev- maybe everybody else disagrees. I don't know. I don't know. But as a spec script, he is the primary artist. Yeah, but then because as this a movie, isn't, this isn't like a this isn't like a studio tried to make a movie, and so they brought in a writer to write a script. Yeah, but then like when when the movie gets made, I think it's just we've moved beyond one artist at that point. I agree with you, but I, I guess what I would say is it's sort of akin to like, okay, are any Stephen King movies better than the book? No. I would say that every Stephen King movie is better than the book from what I've heard about the books. Uh, I wish I'd say every. Having read the books, I, I haven't, you're I haven't very a, wrong. That's, okay, a, hot, that's, that's a, a hot take. Very hot take. There's, there's, there's no really, way I'm There is no wrong. way that there's is no way accurate. I'm wrong about that. It's an opinion. Uh, but I think that, like, I, I hear about the ending to Stephen King books, and it's like, oh, yeah, there's just, like, I don't know. There's a space turtle. There's a lot of really bad or like, Stephen oh, King movies. But that, there, there are, yeah, I, I there shouldn't are, say every, but there are famous are ones. Infinite yeah, yeah, yeah. bad Stephen King movies yeah, but out like, there. I but think to that your the, point, the known I think ones, The Shining, the film, is better than the book. I think The Shining, I haven't read them, but yeah, just from I what I know of the story, I think The Shining is I think it's the, fair. I think it's fair, but the, I disagree. Sure. The yeah. Shining book, like, I feel like what Stephen King does it, based off of what I've heard about him is that he doesn't outline his stories and then everything. Yeah. Like, so everything that I hear about when I read the story, like what was the book? It, there's just this like outward hand of God to get himself out of some corner that he's painted in. It's like, Oh, I don't know. The hotel blows up. Not always. No, that's just that's yeah. the famous ones. Like the, you know, <laughs> like the two I can think of are it and, and the shining. And those are both, Honestly, I, I feel like terrible. I, I feel like maybe you're painting with overly broad brushstrokes because you feel like I'm painting with overly broad brushstrokes and I'm willing to accept that you're right and that a movie is good because it has multiple artists. I'm just trying to explain why I answered why I did and 
I feel like um, I'm just talking. We can move on. I, I want to pull move us on. Like back just, to the movie. Chatting a little bit. We've talked a lot about the like philosophical conversations with this movie. I'd love to just hear from you guys. Like, what are the like technical things that you guys loved or didn't like about this movie? Like, was there? Did you guys have any opinions on like cinematography, like set deck, uh, the the score? Like, what, yeah. did any of that stuff stand out? I'm to curious because Tyler, you had said that this was a more excellent. I think you said more excellent, or at least critically. I said more excellent story. Oh, okay, okay. So it was yeah. more so kind of the screenplay. It was the was, story. Got it. Were there any technical aspects that did stand out to you? Yeah. Um. There were a couple. I mean, I thought that, <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Like, uh, like I watched a uh, interview by Harold Ramis talking about, uh, like a shot that he couldn't get. And it was like, it bummed me out because like, as he described the shot, I was like, Oh my God, that would have been such a cool shot. And I can see that shot in movies today. Like mm. he was just a little bit like maybe lacked the, competency or lack the technology that like has been built on over time. Um, but I think that like, even knowing that, like looking back at some of how he sets up some shots, I think was like, I mean, fun. Like it, it's not, it's not a, an Artur cinematographic movie. It really isn't. I think the cinematographer did the job he got hired to do. So what was the shot that he couldn't get? Like what was he trying to do? He was trying to do a um, a transformation in the hotel room, essentially where Bill Murray trashes the hotel room, and as he trashes it, it like in an instant reverts back to its original state. Like he oh, spent wow. the whole day in the hotel room trashing it. Like that's the that was the idea. He spent the whole day trashing the hotel room in his greatest despair. And then in an instant, it's six o'clock and it's all back to how it was. That would have been cool. It would have been a really like powerful show. And that, you know, I, I like the, that. And, and I see the the imprint of that kind of a um, of that kind of a, a setting on like how he shot all of these uh, redundant scenes. Like they ended up like so they shot multiple versions of like the Ned Ned Ryerson, Ned Ryerson. Yeah. They shot multiple versions of Ned Ryerson and then they were like, Oh shoot, the weather's changing as we do this. So they ended up like shooting a lot of those shot. Like they shot all five Ned Ryerson street scenes on the same day. They like reshot them all on the same day. And like, that was a, that was an interesting like filmmakers approach to a problem that no one had ever really experienced before. And like, it doesn't feel that way in the editing room. I also love that, like, you know, the, the, how they shot the movie out originally, the entire beginning of the movie didn't exist. And they, like, we just enter into one of his loops in the middle of one of his loops. And they were like, in the editing room, they were like, ugh, like, this is rough for audiences to kind of like, like, get shocked with this let's go back and let's let's shoot some scenes in like a throw up set that we can just kind of put together of him in the in the newsroom doing the weather and in the van like driving like to to like build some more context for mm-hmm. for this and like i i thought it was a great editing decision um and a great directing decision 
Um, I would say that some of the music I, I, I would say was kind of whatever. Like I, I know that like, yeah, nineties, nineties commercial films. And this was for sure just a, it was a crowd pleaser film. This was a popcorn movie when it was made. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's what was written, but it was what was made. And the music always sucks in nineties popcorn films. I will say though, this did make it to uh, AFI's top ten fantasy films of all time. It hmm. also got inducted into the Library of Congress too. Yep, and on Steven Schneider's list of one hundred and one movies you absolutely should have seen, and and you know made a lot of top comedy films. Um, but yeah, the the top fantasy one in particular was was really interesting to me. Number one was Wizard of Oz. Number two was fellowship Hmm. and this was number eight it is like it makes sense now that you say it but i never would have thought to see this movie and fellowship on the same list yeah i know what you mean because it's a different kind of fantasy entirely but also on that list was like miracle on 34th street which is closer to this i Uh, think like uh this and miracle on 34th are cut from the same cloth i have a question about the library of congress who like how does who, how do you get it into that Congress? So Congress is sitting down and having discussions over that. Yeah. Huh? Basically someone in Congress says, Hey, we think that we should enter this into the library of Congress. And then all of Congress who's present takes a vote. If I was in Congress, I would probably do that every day. You would just be the, you would just be the movie guy in Congress. Yeah. Like, I love you, it. What do you Let's guys think about this elected. movie? <laughs> Let's get you elected so that you can on take the- RP to Washington, DC. Can I get on that? Can you think I get elected on that platform? Or do you think I'd have to learn about other stuff? No, that's the platform <laughs> okay. we're going to run you on. Yeah. Can you get our uh, ratings spreadsheet also like put in there? I could try. I don't really know what the criteria are. I've got bad news, Jake. There's no shot at you getting elected to Congress in California. We're going to have to move you to a different state. I don't yeah. think there's a shot you... at me getting elected to Congress anywhere, but Jake, I appreciate how do you feel about Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty easy in certain states. Let's how, be honest. How much time do I have to spend in Arkansas to qualify to run? 50% of the year. That's a lot of time. <laughs> uh, really well, now we have time to test to see if he would actually kill himself. <laughs> oh, I, I, day one in Arkansas. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I do love the thought of you like meeting with your fellow like Congress people. And they're like, are you ready to talk about this? Whatever political. And you're like, well, hold on, hold on. How do you guys feel about seven psychopaths? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I watched fellowship the other day. And if it's not in our library, we should put it in there. It's got to be all all the Lord of the Rings. I'm not going to look be in though. There. I'm yeah. going to suggest movies, and maybe oh, you're never going to look. Maybe they're already in there. <laughs> <laughs> and then so a, you're going to do your job poorly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, as long as you're being upfront about that, I think that the voters got to put that on the platform. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The voters deserve to know, but as long as you're upfront about it. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, Back to the Future's in it. Let's get that out. <laughs> Is that an option? <laughs> You could make you it could, one. You could probably pull something out. If you, you could try it. I mean, it's up to Congress as long as as long as you can get enough people to agree with you. Let's do it, guys. If, if there's any like movies that have like uh, rights and stuff involved, like you know, like civil rights, like and you are from uh, Arkansas, you could probably run on a platform of removing those. 
Oh. Yeah, that's dark, but... Yeah. Uh, I don't know much about Arkansas, but I feel like I like it a little bit less now that you said that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that that's true about yeah, Arkansas, to be honest. It's my Arkansas. assumption of yeah. everywhere between Nevada yeah. and West Virginia. <laughs> Wait, wh- why isn't West Virginia included in that? They might be the worst. They're like yeah. the, one yeah. of the most racist Nevada states. and Maine. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, all right, what do you guys say we uh, get get this one in the books? Well, I, I have a one last question, kind of a fun question. But what is your favorite Groundhog Day knockoff? If you have a favorite. Oh, it's Supernatural. Super The show? The TV show? The TV show Supernatural did an episode of this. And I think it was, oh, it was called Mystery Spot. It involved uh, essentially Gabriel the Archangel pretending to be Loki. Uh, traps one of the two brothers in a Groundhog Day loop where every day he has to experience his brother dying. And for presumably, I, I think they say at the end, it was something like 12 years, uh, every day for 12 years, uh, in order to like convince him to agree to do something. Interesting. I'm going to be honest. I, I can't even think of any. Uh, can you name a couple big ones? Live, like, Die, Repeat with Tom Cruise. Never seen. Oh yeah, I forgot that was a fun one. It was very good. I really liked Palm Springs. Palm never Springs was so good. good. Andy Andy Samberg. Uh, I feel like Black Mirror has kind of done like variations of this mm-hmm. in a few episodes, and those are always fun too. Totally. Do you watch Black Mirror, Scott? I've Not. seen the first two seasons, but okay. I haven't seen anything since then. Yeah. They've come out with two since then. Okay. I I I feel like there's something that I just can't remember what it was, but somebody's in a Groundhog Day loop and they're trying to prevent somebody from dying and they never can. And that's the only one I can think of right now and I can't think about what the movie is at all. So I'm going to say, oh, do you have it? No. Uh, I'm going to say the only one, the only one I can think of that I remember the name, which was a terrible sci-fi horror movie, like sci-fi channel Mm -hmm. horror movie that my girlfriend made me watch called No Escape Room. No which, escape room, oh. which was about people. In, it, honestly, it was kind of fun. I haven't, uh, I haven't watched it, but I know what you're talking about. But it's about people in an escape room who cannot get out and keep repeating the escape. Yeah, room. Uh, and it was, it was honestly kind of a fun movie. Uh, it was bad, but it was fun. But I can't. I feel like there's there's so many that I, I you I've just been put on the spot and I can't think of any right now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Vince Vaughn was in one. I don't know if you'd be. <sighs> You know, interesting. Throw that on the list. <laughs> Scott I was could. like, "Oh, let's go." That's the version I needed. But it was a it was a horror movie. Oh, take so, it off the list. Yeah. So, oh, Death Day. I think it was Death Day, right? Yeah, yeah. Death Day. Yeah. Vince Vaughn is in that Death movie. Day. I feel like did that did that come out recently? Uh, a couple, like a couple years, ago. years ago. I mean, seven, probably six, seven years ago. Now, is that really, that long? I ago? think so. That means it qualifies. I've, I'm not going to pick it. <laughs> I mean, they've come out with several death days. Okay. Like there were sequels as there are with every horror movie, uh-huh. you know? Um, but I think the first one was at least, I mean, f- certainly before COVID. And I think it was a, as much as seven years ago. And I would say at least five years ago. Wow. Yeah. COVID really messed me up on how long ago things were. Dude, me too. Like the world, like my, my clock for history reset in 2020. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. He was in a movie called Freaky, which was a horror version of Freaky Friday. It was a body uh, switch, but the death day one is a groundhog horror movie. That's just not the one with Vince Vaughn. Okay. Oh, Cause that would have been sweet. What was the other Vince Vaughn was in another big horror movie. Uh, I guess maybe it wasn't Psycho? horror. 
Yeah, <laughs> the Psycho <laughs> yeah. remake. That's Psycho what I was one, thinking yeah. of. Yeah, that's, that's also the movie we should have had. <laughs> he was, instead of the original. Yeah. yeah, he was in another really good suspense film where he was the villain. I think against maybe Halle Berry. Or no, it was Jennifer Lopez against Jennifer Lopez, where he is an abusive husband beating Jennifer Lopez, and Jennifer Lopez wrecks his shit. It was very good. Cool. Anyway, what do you guys say we put this one in the books? Yeah, we're 108 in, so let's uh, let's. Wow, has this. it really been an hour? Yeah. Huh. Zach, you're up first. Um, I will give this 7.9 uh, punched Stephen Tobolowski's. Uh, Jake? Uh, I'm going to give it 7.7 7, uh, gobbled knobs. <laughs> All right. As a reminder to the listeners, the the place uh where Punk's Gatani Pill Phil uh is is Gobbler's Knob. I was trying to take notes for this movie and I literally have one note and it's just catch me at Gobbler's Knob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give this uh seven point five trucks driven off into a quarry with Punks and Tawny Phil inside. Nice. Uh by the way, Bill Murray was bitten two times by that groundhog. <laughs> I'm going to give this a uh, 7.9 uh, days repeated ad nauseum. All right. This comes out to a 77%. Uh, once again, uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave this a 97% and IMDb gave it an 8.1. And then we gave it a 77%. It comes out to movie number 71 out of 140. So it's right in the middle. You know, with how many movies we've done so far, there's just going to be more and more times where we uh, diverge from the, from the, what the other people think. Yeah. I, I mean, I think our rating system is much better than both of theirs. So, I mean, I agree. I wouldn't keep doing this if I thought, <laughs> if I thought theirs was better than ours. <laughs> it's much better for me because I'm a quarter of the decision. You know, I'm way uh-huh. less than a quarter of the decision for anywhere else. Yeah, it's just a bummer when it's your movies and you're only a quarter of the decision and we all hate it. <sighs> yeah. That happens less now than it used to, though. Yeah, yeah. you pick better movies now. I've just been been beaten into submission. Uh, you know. This uh this wasn't my movie. I and you know, I I rated it what I rated it. I don't I wouldn't change it, but I'm bummed that uh I I think we might be wrong on this one. Like they might be right. You only rated it 2% Higher than we, the whole. Like I said, I rated it what I rated it. I'm not mad about that, but I think we might be wrong. Like, do you think? I feel like we might be, I don't know, because it's so classic. uh, But at the same time, like I watched it and I would watch it again, but it's not blowing my mind. It's just the good news is this is tied to the hundredth of a percent to the last castle. I will say, can I raise, can I raise (laughs) pretty much the opposite in terms of, uh, uh, iconic. I, I will say this got an eight on AFI's top fantasy, top 10 fantasy movies of all time, um, of all time as of 2008. That's when they came out with the list. That's when they lost the login to their website. <laughs> That's when they lost the login. Uh, you know, what was number six on that? Are you gonna say return of the King field of dreams? Ooh, you know, this did <laughs> kind of remind me of field of dreams. Yeah, they, bit. they are. Yeah. The, they're very similar. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think that, uh, 
Yeah, it is. They both next have, week, though. They both have a very satisfying emotional payoff, almost as magnificent as Fast Five. Almost as magnificent. next week, though, we are going to. Dude, I think this episode is just going to be effed up.